So I want to uh, do a couple things here. I'm going to introduce Seth, and then I'm going to read the text, which is our tradition here. And then uh, we'll be seated, and Seth will come and preach God's word. He will give you an update on, on their ministry first, and then he will, he will break forth the bread of life. I hope you're excited when the preacher says, open your Bibles. I tell you what, I am. I can't wait. And uh, Jay, I think you preached the text he's going to preach this morning, so this one won't hurt my feelings as bad. Uh, I think that was one of Pastor Jay's sermons. But, uh, man, I can't wait. Jay, do you get excited when, when you hear open your Bible? If you're a child of God, that's like ringing the dinner bell. Amen. Seth and Jessica, how long have you been married? That should be a quick answer, brother. <laughs> 18 years, got three children, Daniel and David and Rebecca, 15, 13, and 10. They're all in double digits now. We are getting old, brother. <laughs> we really are. And uh, we met these young people when they were young people uh, just getting ready to go to Ireland, and Daniel was just a baby, and now he's a full-grown man. Uh, I think, is he taller than you or getting pretty close? close. Pretty close. So. That's great. You'll notice that uh, Seth has a bit of an accent. He is from Alabama, but it's a mix of Alabama and Ireland. He's picked up some, and the, and the kids all have an Irish accent, which is beautiful. I kept asking them a lot of questions just because I like to hear them talk. Um, but I'm telling you something. If, if you missed this morning's breakfast and, and their uh, report, it was a blessing. Um, I wish we would have recorded that next time I'll think that through. But uh, I, I want to tell you, this is a choice servant of God, he and his wife and their children. And as we learned a few weeks ago about the guy named Epaphroditus, Paul tells us through the Holy Spirit that people who are co-laborers in the gospel, we should esteem them highly. We should heap value and honor upon them. And uh, that's what we're we, our, our desire to do as we rejoice to be together again. Because one day we're going to get to do this in a full-fledged kingdom of God, and it is going to be phenomenal, and there will be no more separation. We're looking forward to that. But until then, we're going to practice it. Uh, in person. So if you would, uh, the title of the sermon is, Is the Church Worth It? If you would stand in honor of the reading of God's word, we will be in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Here's what God's word says. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation, among whom, look at this, you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ and I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith... <laughs> I'm glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of God. The flower fades, the grass dies, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated, and would you help me in welcoming to the Lake Wildwood pulpit, Reverend, Pastor, Brother, Missionary, Seth Lewis. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. It is really, really wonderful to be here with you again. Uh, it's been too long. 
And uh, we are just so thankful for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And uh, you've been a huge encouragement to us this whole time. You've been praying for us. You've been praying with us as we've seen the Lord answer those prayers in so many ways in building his kingdom. We bring you greetings from the Lord's Church, your brothers and sisters on the south coast of Ireland. And thanks from our family, from the bottom of our hearts, for your, uh, for your partnership with us. We are working with a network of churches on the south coast of Ireland, working to establish new churches in areas where there is no gospel witness. I'll give you some um, more information as we go through the sermon about some of the things that are happening. But I want to thank you so much for your prayers. The last couple of years have been difficult in many ways, as you yourselves know, for the whole world. And yet we've seen the Lord open up new opportunities for ministry, bring people to himself, um, and grow his, his kingdom, his church, in Ireland, uh, even during this time. So we thank you so much for praying with us and for um, working with us and laboring with us um, for God's kingdom. I want to ask you a question. And that is, what are you doing here? I mean, why would you come here on Sunday morning? Why would you spend this time together? Why would you do your, um, your D groups and your DLT groups and, and these kinds of things? Why would you do outreach together? Why would you serve others together? What are you doing? You could be out playing sports or you could be sleeping in right now. You could be reading a book or watching a movie. You could be doing all kinds of other things, but you're here. Why are you sacrificing your time, your energy, even your money for the sake of the church? And why are we doing the same thing in Ireland, working with these churches on the south coast, trying to plant a new church into a town? Um, the town where we are is called Carrigtool. And as far as we know, it's never had an evangelical church in it. Um, but they're not exactly asking for a church. They're not begging for a new church. They don't see a need for that. Why would we make that a priority? Why would we try to do that? Why would we work together with these churches to plant into areas that don't have churches? Because honestly, if you're looking at it from the perspective of a lot of the people around us, it doesn't actually make a lot of sense. Why wouldn't we use our weekends, our evenings, our money, time, our energy for ourselves, like most people do? And why would we move across an ocean to help new little churches get started in towns that aren't actually asking for them? Is the church really worth all of this trouble? That's the question. And Paul answers that question in the passage that we just read. He talks about... Um, Shining, he talks about being children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. He talks about shining among them like stars in the sky as we hold firmly to the word of life. He talks about being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith and rejoicing in that. Certainly it seems that Paul seems to assume that the church, the community of believers, is worth a lot of trouble. Yeah, right. It's worth being poured out for like a drink offering. It's worth sacrifice and service. He says it's worth laboring for. In other words, he's giving everything. He's not holding back. 
It's clear in chapter 1, as you've just been through Philippians, it's clear in chapter 1 he may actually be about to give his life for the sake of the gospel. And he's okay with that. So why all this sacrifice for others? I mean, why doesn't Paul just leave other people alone and focus on his own relationship with God? You know, live and let live and let everyone do their own thing. Everyone look after themselves. I mean, doesn't Paul know that, you know, our focus should be on our own self-actualization and making sure that we stay really clear of anybody that is like a drain on us, uh, a drain on our resources or sends us negative energy or any of this kind of stuff. But isn't the church sometimes a drain yes it is now sometimes it's a huge blessing as well but can the church be a drain yes paul says yes absolutely he says he rejoices in being drained dry poured out for the sake of other people's faith for the sake of the church not only for those who are already in the church already among God's people, but also being poured out so that others will know the gospel, will come to faith, and will become part of the church and built up together with God's church. Paul is willing to pour himself out for that. He's ready to sacrifice himself to bring people closer to Christ from wherever they are, whether they're in the church or not. And that's why he's in prison. And that's why he's facing a possibly a death sentence. His financial security, his health are in constant jeopardy. I mean, this man got stoned and left for dead, for goodness sake. More than once he was in situations where he thought he could die. And yet he says he is glad and rejoices in being poured out for other people's faith to see the gospel transform people as they come to know him and experience the change of his power in their lives. He's willing to be poured out for the sake of the church. And he tells us he's actually only following Christ's attitude when he does this. He says in chapter 2, verse 3, you remember you were just through this. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Jesus, who was willing to die to win back his bride for himself. And Paul seems to think as well, like Jesus, that the church is worth sacrificing his own individual personal rights. Now stop and think about that for a moment, because the world around us says nothing is worth sacrificing your own rights for. The world around us says your rights are the highest good. You need to guard those with everything you've got and stand up for those no matter what. And yet Paul says he rejoices to give up his personal rights for the sake of God's people. He willingly gave up his own comfort, his own security, his safety, his freedom, eventually even his life to build up the church in the gospel. So we see in this passage that Paul certainly was willing to give up anything for the sake of the church. And we saw already how, Paul, how Jesus was the same. But in these verses, 
we see that Paul has a couple of reasons for why he is willing to pour himself out for the church. One of those reasons is in verse 15, where we see that Paul thinks the church is worth being poured out for because the church reveals God now. And then in verse 16, the church is worth being poured out for because the church lasts forever. So those are the two things we're going to look at today. And uh, we'll start with how the church reveals God now to the world. In verse 15, Paul says he wants believers to become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So see here that Paul sees the church as the vehicle through which God reveals himself to the world around us. And that's a big deal. The world may be warped, the world may be crooked, the world may be dark, but God's people, gathered as God's church, show by our lives and our words what God is like. That's what we're here to do. And the contrast between us and the world is supposed to be so sharp that Paul says it's like stars standing out in the dark night sky. Now that tells me that the church is not supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to be different. If we look just like the world, we've got a problem. There's supposed to be a very big contrast. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. A gathering of believers is much more than just another social club in town, another place for people to get together. It is a gathering of stars in the sky, a gathering, a a constellation declaring to all creation the majesty of our Creator and His gospel. So why is Paul willing to sacrifice so much for the church? He's willing to sacrifice for the church because the church is how God has chosen to shine the light of his glory and his truth and his salvation to the world around us, which is dark. And this is why the most important group in any community, the most important group that any community could ever have is the church, is to have a church that faithfully proclaims and lives out the gospel. All the banks and schools and sports clubs and gardening groups and all those things are really great. But the church is different. The church is what holds and declares what Paul calls the word of life in verse 16. It is the word of life and it can bring the light of Christ to the community. That's what the world needs. It needs this word of life, this gospel of the good, the good news that we have a savior and it is Christ and it is Christ alone as we were singing earlier. This is why churches in our part of Ireland on the south coast have joined together to pray and to work towards seeing gospel focused but gospel preaching churches in every community. We have a long way to go to see that happen. Ireland is only about 0.6% evangelical of any kind. There's a lot of towns in Ireland that do not have a church that is faithfully declaring the gospel, that is showing people how they can be saved. But we work towards that goal because we know that 
This is the means that God has chosen to declare his light, his salvation to the world. So when we first moved to Ireland, we worked with a team to establish a church in a town called Yaw. Now, you can probably say that. Um, it's pronounced Y-O-U, I mean, it's spelled Y-O-U-G-H-A-L. It's pronounced Yaw. The last few years, we've moved to another town called Kergtul, a town that has all the things a local community should have, except it doesn't have a church that is faithfully proclaiming the gospel. And that's what we are working towards seeing. And we're seeing God work. We're seeing the gospel change people's lives. We're seeing a group of believers gathering together. And we work in any way. We do anything we can to shine the light of the gospel to the community around us. We, and we work with this network of churches to make sure every community has that. Um, because... It is the church that God has chosen to declare his light to the world. So whether you're in America or whether we're in Ireland, Paul says this is what the church does. And he says, he tells us something about how we shine with God's light too. He says we do it by holding firmly to the word of life. And that's very important because it means that we don't shine with our own light. We don't shine with our own goodness or our own great ideas or our own helpfulness or generosity or good works that we're doing in the community. The light that the world needs is not us. Amen. The light that the world needs, the world needs is Jesus. And they need this word of life, this gospel message that is Jesus himself is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. It's through his death, his resurrection, that anyone can come back to God, receive forgiveness as a gift, and live out a new life in him. If we don't hold firmly to this word of life, to this gospel, then, brothers and sisters, we will not shine. We may be a nice, comfortable little corner of the darkness, but we won't have the light. We must hold firmly to the word of life. If we're not, then it doesn't matter how many good things we do. None of that really means anything if we're not holding firmly to the gospel and holding out the gospel to the community around us. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the one who made us a lamp on the stand. And it's his light that we shine with. We've got to hold firmly to him or else we will not be shining like stars in the dark sky. It's the only light that we have in this dark world. It's the light that the world needs. And God made his church to be a lamp on a stand, to shine with his light in the, in the world. But I want you to see another thing here, that Paul says that we shine among them as stars in the sky. And I think that's important. He says we shine among them. And really, the best way to shine the light of the gospel to people in this dark world is really to be among them. Is to shine among them, to live in your community, to be involved with the people around you, to get to know people personally, and not only speak the truth to them, but live it out in front of them. Let them see your life enough to see the gospel at work, reshaping your priorities, reshaping your life. God's power at work in you. 
Let them see how you respond uh, to problems, how you do your job, your attitude, how you relate to others. Get, let them be close enough that they see how the gospel is impacting your life. We shine best when we shine among them, like stars dotted throughout the dark sky. So we shine living out the gospel in our lives. We also shine giving out the gospel in our words as well. And we're seeking to do both of those things in Ireland. And God has provided some good ways for us to do this. I know he has for you as well. But we seek to live out the gospel in our community by serving others. But we also seek to speak the gospel to others in our community um, as clearly as possible, as often as possible to serve them with our actions, but also with our words, pointing them to the truth of where, um, where our hope comes from. And the Lord has opened up some good opportunities for us, even, even in the midst of all the challenges in the last couple of years. I was talking in the update um, before about how God opened up an, an opportunity for us to be able to serve in a local refugee center because of the pandemic. We had had an opportunity to serve there before, but we were told clearly that if we went in there, we shouldn't talk about God. And we said, we can't, we can't do that. That's not who we are. But through the pandemic, God opened that door up to where we can, we can serve their practical needs, but we can also serve their spiritual needs and, and share the gospel with them. And we can do both. And God opened up that opportunity as a direct result of the pandemic and the needs that came up through it. But the point of us getting deeply involved with people around us, no matter how that looks, um, no matter what those relationships look like or what the context is, what we want is not just to make everyone comfortable and happy uh, or make them think that we're very good people or something like that. The point is to shine among them like stars in the sky. The point is to, is to direct people to the word of life, to Jesus. And God has given you opportunities and God has given us opportunities to do that. But it can be simple. It can be through just the conversations with the people around you at work or in your neighborhood, through church events. It could be through friendships. It could be through service. It could be all kinds of ways. But what we want is for people to find the same life that we have found in Christ. We want to serve their physical needs, but we want to serve even more their need for a savior. And God's appointed means of declaring himself to the world is through his church, his people. And that is true right down to our local community in Ireland, but it's just as true down to your local community here uh, in Georgia. It's through God's church, through God's people, shining with our words and with our lives, with the light of the gospel, like stars in a dark sky. That is a huge privilege. But it is also a huge responsibility. For us in Ireland, we look around at a community of thousands of people around us, and yet there's only this little group of people that we have meeting on Tuesday nights for Bible study, actively working to shine the light of the gospel. It can feel very overwhelming. Um, if we don't get to people around us, there's not other churches faithfully sharing the gospel in the community that will pick up our slack. 
And then we look farther out and we see other communities around us that still have no church, have no gospel um, group, local group of believers among them, shining like stars, holding firmly to the word of life and holding that out to the community. And without that, even though they may have everything else, all their shops and banks and clubs, they can still be in spiritual darkness. And that's what we're trying to change. Because every community needs the church. And every community needs the church to be the church. To actually hold firmly to the word of life and hold that out faithfully to the community around them. And that's why it's so important as well for your church right here to shine like stars in your own community. Amen. To hold firmly to the word of life together. And not just hold it for yourselves, but hold it out to the community around you. Shine among them like stars. And through your support and your prayers, you are helping us to do the same thing that you're doing here. You're helping us to do the same thing on the other side of the ocean. And we thank you for that. Because every community, everywhere uh, in the whole world needs the church. It needs uh, this witness to the gospel, God's people faithfully following him and holding out his gospel to the world. Paul says it's worth whatever sacrifice we can make because the church is what reveals God now to the world. But he doesn't stop there. He has another motivation. And we see that in verse 16. He says that the church is the one group in the world that lasts forever. So look what he says in verse 16. He says, Then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. See, Paul is not just looking at what the church is now. He's looking, for, he's looking forward. He's looking ahead. And when he looks ahead, he's not just looking at, you know, when he can retire and kick back and relax or something like that. He's looking further. He's looking to the day of Christ. The day when everything will be shown for what it really is. And Paul says that his sacrifice now, I mean, get this, he says it will give him something to boast about on the day of Christ. I mean, Paul, I mean, isn't boasting bad? I thought boasting was bad, but he says, no, I'm giving everything I have in order to have something real and true and solid to boast about on the day that it matters most. See, Paul knew that the day of Christ is also a wedding day. It is the wedding day that all human marriage has been a picture of since Adam and Eve. It's the, it's the wedding day that all human history has been leading up to. In Ephesians 5, Paul says this. He says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Jesus loves his church as his bride. He cares for his church. He cherishes his church. He loves yeah, to give whatever it takes for the good of his church, his people. He will do anything to see the church presented to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Amen. 
And what he has promised, he will do. He always keeps his promises. He will finish the work that he started in his church. So the day of Christ is coming. Paul knows that the day of Christ is coming, a day when God finally brings his church to himself as his perfect, radiant, spotless bride. And because Paul is so confident that that day is coming, he is also confident that any sacrifice he makes for the sake of Christ's bride is a sacrifice worth making. It is an investment worth making, and it is an investment guaranteed by God himself and by his promises. Paul says, if I work for that, my labor is not in vain. There is nothing in the world today that is more significant than the church. There is no political power. There is no famous star. There is no powerful organization that can outlast the church. No matter how weak, no matter how small and insignificant the church may look right now. And many people see it that way. But it has more significance Amen. than anything else, than everything else in the world put together. And it will last much, much longer than everything else in the world. So what are you doing here? Are we just getting together as a group of friends? Are we kind of a social club that's kind of a cross between maybe a, you know, a choir and a book club or something like that? No, we are holding firmly to the word of life for ourselves because we want to shine among them like stars in the sky. We want to hold that word of life out to the world, revealing who God is to the world, knowing that the day of Christ is coming. When the church that can feel so weak, sometimes so frustrating, sometimes so broken right now, but it will be the perfectly glorious, radiant bride of Christ. Amen. So are you willing to be poured out for that? Are you ready to say with Paul that seeing other people's faith built up, seeing other people come to faith, and seeing other people grow in their faith, Seeing the church grow, seeing the church built up, is something to rejoice about, even if it's costing you some of your comfort or financial security. Even if it means giving up some of your personal rights. The world around us will never understand why we prioritize the church like this. Why we meet together on Sundays or give up time and money and energy to help God's people grow to help people know God. They won't understand why we would work to establish little local churches uh, in every community in Ireland. But the day of Christ will come. And on that day, we will see that our labor was not in vain. We will see that the church was worth it all along. So here's my question for you. What's your part in God's church? First, are you holding firmly to the word of life in your own life? Are you building your life on the gospel, on the truth that Jesus died and rose again and has the power to save? Is your life built on that? Are you holding firmly to this word of life? 
But then, are you letting the light of God's life shine through you to the people around you? Both the people here inside the church, but also the people that are around you outside of the church. Are you holding out the word of life to them? Are you willing to give up your time, your energy, to sacrifice your own rights if needed? To give up resources in order to see more people find real life in Christ and to see them built up as the bride of Christ, radiant and spotless and full of joy. Right now, this week, right here in your hometown, you can shine like stars in a dark sky. You can reveal God and the glorious hope of the gospel to the people that are right around you. Knowing that your labor is not in vain because the day of Christ is coming and the church that reveals God now will be the church that lasts forever. Amen. So the church really is worth your time, your effort and your sacrifice. It is worth giving up your rights for like Paul did. I know it can be messy sometimes. I know that holding on to the gospel together and holding out the gospel together can be hard work. It can be costly. It cost Paul dearly, but he didn't think the cost was anything compared to the treasure that he had gained in Christ and in Christ's people. He said in verses 17 and 18, Even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. The reward is much, much greater than the sacrifice. That's so true. We don't serve the church out of cold duty. We do it for joy. The day will come when there's a huge wedding celebration and that joy will be eternal. But even now, even now, we can have the joy of shining together, holding firmly to the word of life that God has given us by his grace and holding out that word of life to others, shining in a dark world, serving Christ's eternal bride. Whatever that costs, the church is worth it. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the gospel that you have called us out of the darkness and into your glorious light. We thank you for making us your people, making us a city on a hill, a lamp on a stand, stars in a dark sky, to shine with your light together with your people in a dark world. Lord, please help us to be faithful to you Help us to hold firmly to this word of life and to shine brightly as your church with your light and your truth in the darkness around us. Lord, we thank you so much for your promise that you are going to bring your people to yourself as your perfect, radiant, spotless bride. We long for that day, Lord. And we ask that even now you would wash us with your word Make us holy in your image. Please let our lives and our service for you and for your people be pleasing to you, Lord, by your power, by your grace, 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thanks. Amen, church. Amen. It's worth it. Is it? I mean, are we living that? It's easy to say. People like Seth and Jessica are the crazy fringe radical people. Brett and Jennifer that are coming in a couple weeks, right? They're like the crazy ones. You know why they're crazy? They actually believe this stuff. And you all are shining stars for a lethargic church that is desperately needs to hear that truth. And I'm talking to the rest of us. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I, I, don't, I don't understand anything that guy said. None of that makes sense. There's a reason. Because you are yet in your sin. You have not met this Savior. And you must meet him today, right now. Right now, you must meet the Savior. You must bow your knee. He is the King. He must be your King. You must call your sin what it is, turn away from it, turn towards Him, receive His gift of His life, His blood to cover your sin, bow your knee to this King, follow Him for the rest of your life. Because your life's no longer yours, it's his. That's why you do stuff like that. And it's worth it. So what makes people so crazy to lead the United States, raise their children as Irishmen? That's home for these young people. That's, home is, is Ireland. I, I suspect it always will be. Would not surprise me if there would be generations of Lewises in Ireland from here on out who stand by God's grace for the gospel. And, and when, we go, when they go and visit the graves of Seth and Jennifer, or Jessica Lewis, you know what? By God's grace, there will be more churches planted in more of those towns, and you boys will be the elders and shepherds of those churches. And you, young lady, will be supporting and ministering, just like your mama does, to those ladies in a refugee. Why? Because it lasts forever. And we just don't, we're not tasting that. We're not hearing that today. So, so please know, if, if the Lord Jesus Christ through his spirit is calling you to him today, nothing's going to get in the way of that. But I want you to act on it, like immediately. Don't even, don't even leave those doors. That's a foolish thing to do. Because God may not be calling tomorrow. But he's calling right now. And in a minute, I'm going to ask you to come. Because this is too important to leave, leave out. And, and I got someone to talk to. If you're a gal, I got a lady that's going to talk to you. If you're a man, I've got some men that can talk to you. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian. You're like, you know what, this church thing, I'm here, but I haven't been in a long time. And, you know, it's just I don't get you people. But I really think I need to start getting serious about God's church. You do. You make some decisions today. Maybe you just need to come and. Get on your knees. And kneeling is a good posture to the king. And tell him you love him. And that you want to value his bride. Because you're part of it. And it lasts forever. 
I want you to stand with me. Our musicians will come. We're going to sing our response song. It's our song of the month. It's called, simply called Grace. What a perfect ending. What a perfect way to respond. And if you're here today living for yourself, it's time to live for what's going to last. You're not going to last. Your pursuit of pleasure is not going to last. It's going to turn into something very bitter. And if you're not careful, it'll turn into that for all of eternity. And I'm not here to scare you. I'm here to tell you what Jesus did for you, and you better not ignore it. Oh, and I'm here to tell you, we must love the church. Amen? Amen. And maybe we need to just get on our knees and tell the Lord that, Lord, I, I love your church, and I want to be, be a bigger part. I want to shine like stars. I want to get my family in order because you are worth it. So I'm going to pray. And I want, if, if God's put it on your, it's so good to kneel before the Lord. There's all kind of space up here to do that. Would you please come as I'm praying? Don't wait and don't be bashful. You can't get on your knees in front of the king in this building. How in the world do you think you're ever going to serve him out there? And I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm saying if God's speaking to you, get on your knees and talk to him. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. You come. You come and let's see what God does. Father, we love you today. Thank you for King Jesus. Thank you that you call people the likes of us to be a part of his bride whom he loves and cherishes and right now he is working to clean us up practically. It's one day he's going to present us to himself without spot and blemish. It's going to happen. And Lord, some of us are fighting that. Help us to cooperate. If you're speaking to heart saying, I know that you are, there might be people here that just want to come and talk to you about that. You give him a boldness to do so. And more than anything, may you be glorified and magnified in this place. In Jesus' name. You come if God's speaking to your heart. This, this old altar's open. It's good to get on our knees before the Lord. that leads the sinner home from death to life forever and sings the song of righteousness by blood and not by merit glad it's by blood and not by merit glad we don't have to earn it your grace that reaches far and wide to every tribe and nation has called my heart to enter in the joy of your salvation. Oh, sing it, church. By grace I am
that this morning? You walked into his arms? Let praise rise up and overflow my song resound forever for grace will see me welcome home to walk beside my soul Jessica and Seth and all. Can I have the whole family just come on up here? And um, just come on up here. I just think we don't get to see them but every four years. Man, this is, I just love that. I hope you do. I love what you said this morning. The eternal part of this church is, it's eternal. And that's a big reason why it's worth it. As much as we miss you, and as much as our fellowship is right where it left off, it's just such a weird God thing. Man, eternity's going to be awesome. And we're going to be together forever. And what you're doing is not foolish. You may be the wisest among us. But I think that as we leave this place today, would it not be a wise thing to do to speak and pray blessing over this family? Would you agree with me? So I'm going to ask our our church leaders, Pastor Jay and Tom and Paul, if you guys would come. Winston, I'm going to ask you to join us because I know you all have supported faithfully this family. I'm going to ask Gary to come because he's my pastor. Gary, if you would come and, and let's just gather around this family and uh, let's, just, let's just pray for them. Let's just send them off with a blessing. Can we do that today? And uh, Jay, I'm going to let you start and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this message today that you uh, brought to us, Lord, uh, through Seth and, and through this family, the Lewis family. We thank you that it's not just a message that he preached and, and they, they shared him. They live it as a family. 
and we thank you for that. We thank your hand has been on them. We pray that continue to do so. Your grace and your favor. And Lord, may more glorious eternal churches be planted uh, by your grace and power. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Lord, I also just pray for the Lewis family, Lord. Just thank you for blessing us with our presence and just this living example to all of us here. Um, just take the church more seriously. Um, I just pray that you would bless them and bless their ministry, Lord, and as you do, that you would uh, just incite a passion in us for the gospel, Lord, and to reach the lost. So this in Jesus' name. Lord, I, I also just asked you you to bless this family. We lift them up to you, Lord. We ask you to watch over them, protect them, give them peace, but give them power. And Lord, we just thank you for that. And we, Seth said this morning when he was speaking that fruit doesn't ripen overnight. And Lord, it's been, it's been a while they've been there, but they've seen such fruit. And we just pray that they continue to keep on keeping on every day. And, and more and more fruit will be added. And that country, and that part of the country specifically, will be changed for you. And we just thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Father, I, Father, I pray for this family, that you would build in them patience and endurance, and uh, the, that the uh, fruit of their life would be faith, hope, and love. That that faith, hope, and love would be a beacon to the families that they minister to, to their community, and to the and uh, Father, you would bring fruit from their labor, that others would come to know Christ. Father, we thank you that you are always faithful. You've been faithful to us as your people here in Georgia, but also you've been so faithful to the Lewis family. We pray for that faithfulness and protection to continue, that they would be fruitful in every way as they minister there in Ireland. Lord, it must be lonely at times, but we know that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that's the Lord Jesus who binds us all together. So we pray for them in his name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may the God of heaven grant you his peace. And all God's people said...